KRFP 90.3 on FM dial, Moscow, Idaho, krfp.org. This is John Anerchek back again with uh, Stephanie and Dom, Stephanie Basile and Dom Desario. I hope I got that right. Uh, they are organizers. Dom is with the uh, Dallas uh, Morning News. I hope I got that right. The Dallas newspaper uh, business reporter. Stephanie is with their, uh, with the Communication Workers of America News Guild as an organizer. And we've been talking about the effort to organize the staff down in Dallas. So, uh, Dom, Stephanie, the, the show again is yours. So go right ahead, pick up where we had left off or go wherever.
contract language um, and proposing it, but we're also uh, charting wins with our steward network within the within the uh, the newsroom, uh, pretty much on a monthly basis. I have to say. Uh, and one of the ones that stands out to me, and I think this really speaks to what Stephanie was saying, is that the member-driven union model that, that uh, the News Guild has been instilling in some of these news shops that it's organizing. Uh, dude, it's just you have such strong members that know their rights, know how to navigate conversations with management. Um, and so that's all to say, you know, back in February, when we had the major winter storm that knocked out power for millions of Texans, including myself and many of our colleagues, and frankly, every newspaper, every business in the state, um, you know, that bore down on us. And I remember hearing from colleagues that were saying things like, look, I don't have water. I don't have electricity. Like I'm bundled under the covers of my dog and we're just trying not to freeze to death. Um, and they were worried they were honestly worried that they were going to miss their paychecks. They were just worried that they weren't able to work. They didn't know where to go. There's too much snow and ice on the road to go anywhere. Um, and they're, they're concerned that they're not going to be able to make ends meet because those paychecks aren't going to come in because they can't work. Um, and so I remember them being like, you know, that we're being told that you're not going to get paid for the hours you don't work. And so the union actually did approach management about this. Management was, um, I think, to our benefit, dealing with a lot of the same things, although, you know, with a whole different level of living experience, of course. Um, it's probably much more comfortable than some of my colleagues. Um, but, uh, but they were living it, and, and they probably lost power as well as, as us, and so they knew. And so when we're laying out for them, um, that are, and we did this in a letter actually, that are, uh, most of our membership signed, it was a really strong letter um, saying, we need you to, to guarantee pay for regular week's work to these employees. The company has already budgeted for it. Nobody expected this act of God, and nobody should be docked pay for an inability to work because they're trying to survive um, or care for somebody who is trying to survive or ill with COVID, to be frank, right? I mean, this was two crises in one. It was, it was insane. Um, and, and that actually, that was a win for us. The company said, you know what, we hear you. We're going to you know, pay all of the employees. Make sure you guys you know, fill out the time cards correctly, but you will not be docked pay if you can't work due to the freeze. Um, and so just, just to see the strength of the union in action, actually collaborating with management and, and showing solidarity in a way that got them to, to see our message and to work with us and to actually, uh, you know, in, in, put that in place. I just thought that that was so huge. And I really don't know if that would have happened if we would have been able to care for our colleagues like that, um, if we were under sort of the service model of, of sort of unions, um, as, you know, Stephanie can kind of break down. Uh, yeah, you mean like more like a service model or a business model versus the organizing model, Dom, is another term. Right. I mean, I mean, just just a, a model of, of union, you know, shop where the members may be less involved because they're not leading everything. They're not at the bargaining table. You have sort of a, a rep that might be a little bit more removed from your from your bargaining there for you and sort of speaking on your behalf with in communication with management and stuff. But the fact the fact that it's the workers um, just feels so much more potent and so much more powerful. Uh, and I really do credit a lot of that and my colleagues' hard work in that um, to some of the wins that we've been able to chart up in the past couple of months. 
Well, that's uh, excellent. I'll, let's throw this in here and let Stephanie get on again. But I wanted to go back to what you said, Stephanie, about what's a union town. Every town's a union town. I think maybe another way of putting that is uh, uh, the workplace is the ultimate popular front. I mean, we all have to go to work. Um, you know, and I was speaking to the organizers here in Longview, Washington, with organizers staff at eight. And they said, you know, in, in uh, a West, you know, in any place, uh, divergent uh, political views, worldviews. Uh, but when they start breaking it down to the issues that affect the worker, um, it wasn't that it wasn't as daunting as they feared to uh, get the ball rolling on organizing. And conversely, uh, where we think as union strongholds, they still have problems because uh We've lost so much human density. We, I, I call it, we lost this muscle memory. Uh, so, so few people are uh, members of unions or have family members. I mean, two, three generations ago, uh, it was it was uh, less likely for a person to cross a picket line, even if they may not been in a union, because their parents might be in a union, their their siblings might be in a union, an uncle, an aunt, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it was it was more it was uh, almost a family uh, issue in some respects, and uh, uh, we we've lost that with the decline in density to extent, but uh, and then Dom going back to that victory on getting that paycheck while everyone is trying to stay alive you know apocalypse now there in in um you know or what uh or what is it the day after tomorrow maybe that's more you know more of a popular reference there uh, yeah uh, but you know that's you know congratulations on that because what what i hear from organizers is uh you know uh just human nature and i'm not going to blame folks you know they look for victories they you know and the victories don't have to be huge victories so that was a a, a significant victory but they look for that victories and uh you know uh, a force from the fight as uh, some folks will say and so with that go ahead stephanie you want to come in again Really 
is still a political ideology for a lot of these people that are organizing. Yeah, Stephanie, I, I love what you say there about it becoming the norm because even as we're still experiencing turnover in our own company in our own newsroom, um, a lot of the folks that we're hiring to come in from positions at, say, you know, a paper in Virginia or Florida or what have you, um, they're coming from newsrooms that are bargaining first contracts or are, or were organizing or, you know, whatever step in the union process they were in, they already got it and they're coming on board here and they're like, you know, hey, we're, we're ready to fight alongside you. Um, and you can kind of see how the, the rising tide lifts all ships in that sense. It's, 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 both that's very interesting. And uh, um, and with, with uh, from my perspective, Stephanie, going back to what you were saying about uh, uh, professionals, uh, you know, the sense that it was not the norm to be organized, that you didn't need a union. I mean, I really heard that in the 60s and 70s growing up in Chicago and uh, union workers were um, basically, um, it was, I would call it almost like a class issue that, you know, since so much of uh, union uh, membership back then was uh, in what we'd call blue collar industrial, it was almost like an elitism that, you know, those are the, you know, the grunts out there. Uh, the prolos and uh, they need a union, but you're white collar. You don't need a union. Uh, you know, again, the management's going to take care of you. Uh, the whole idea of going to salary, again, salary, flexibility, peace rate, all those things, they're only there because it works for the bosses from my life experience. Uh, but uh, as the wheels turned with globalization, with neoliberalism, uh, you know, it fell on everybody, didn't it? seeing way more organizing in tech these days. It's not massive, but it's enough to be a blip on the radar. It's something to pay attention to, but you're right. I mean, there was, there is this sense sort of in the, in the past decades that if you come into work and you sit at a computer um, and, and you're working phones or you're, you're going out and meeting with other people as is sort of the bread and butter of journalism, um, that maybe, you, you know, you're above this sense of having to be represented by a union. But I mean, like you said, the economic pressures are falling on all of us now. It's not that case. Um, it's no longer just the manual trades that are uh, suffering under this, the, the squeeze uh, sort of uh, of capitalism, I guess I could say. So it's uh, it really is everyone now. Yeah, I think it just goes to show that a, a culture shifts when masses of people do something. So it wasn't like the News Guild took out billboards or TV ads or PSAs saying you should have a union, but the fact that everybody is doing it, now more people want to do it. Right. And then before, uh, before COVID actually, uh, when I, when I proposed my radio show, part of the, um, impetus was, uh, that 2019 we saw a surge in strikes and then COVID obviously literally shut that down. But uh, we were seeing 2017, 2018, we were seeing a surge in strikes. So uh, human nature being what it is, uh, when you see something happening uh, uh, and uh, you, uh, you feel lifted, I guess, I mean, I don't know how else to put it. I'll stop them because I'm, I'm fumbling for words, but um it, it is a cultural shift. I agree. Yeah, I mean, when I was covering those strikes at you know General Motors, the assembly line workers were were on strike for um, I think a historic amount of time. 
if I remember correctly, just in 2019, about four or five months before the pandemic really hit. Um, and I think they, they even had their health care revoked over that time period, and it was publicized. So, you know, anytime that happens, yes, you're, you're, you're introducing the public to the, the union sort of experience and lifestyle and what those, those workers are fighting for, and that definitely helps. Right. Again, I was going to break in here quickly. I'm speaking with Stephanie Basile and Dom DeSerio with the Communication of Workers of America News Guild, uh, talking about the organizing effort at the Dallas Morning News. I'm John Andercheck, recording this for Labor Lines, the radio show, and the podcast. Uh, uh, so there we are. So go ahead. Uh, keep going, folks, Stephanie and Dom. Well, you know, Stephanie, I don't know if you want to wrap this up or if, if there's anything else that you felt was important to hit on. Yeah, I think, I think you really touched on all the main points. Um, and, it, you know, again, it's, it's just we're, we're in a historic period. We're really in the middle of it. We think it's going to continue. We have new groups organizing and going public with campaigns all the time and, and winning things by taking action on the shop floor. And that's, that's really exciting to see. Very good. I agree. And, you know, it's interesting going back to the UAW strike, uh, which was historic. uh, But the real strike wave, um, let's throw this in at the end, uh, was led by uh, other groups, basically the teachers unions, uh, uh, United L.A., the teachers union, UTLA, huge strike. um, Incredible organizing story there. Uh, Illinois, uh, the teachers union in Illinois, two strikes uh, in a blue state, blue city. Uh, West Virginia, Arizona, and in uh, grocery stores, uh, United Food and Commercial Workers, uh, again, uh, human, you, excuse me, woman-dominated fields there uh, with a strong representation in minorities and uh, in uh, what we used to call the white collar. But like you said, Dom, uh, people that were told if you're behind a computer, if you're doing this or that, you don't need a union. So thank you for your time today. Uh, if On the great social media, is there any place you could uh, throw out there if folks want to follow what's going on? You guys have a, a Facebook group or anything like that? Yeah, so for the, the new skills, newskills.org is our website. Uh, you can look up newskills-pwa on Facebook to find us. We also have a Twitter account. It's also at newskills. Excellent. And then for the uh, for the Dallas Morning News, you know, you can follow uh, our at the, the Twitter handle is at Dallas News Guild. Um, we're also at DallasNewsGuild.org online, where you can keep up with our uh, contract campaign uh, and wins along the way. Okay, I hope we can keep up with it here on Labor Lines. Uh, the you have a voice here; you're always welcome. Keep in touch, Dom and Stephanie. Thank you for so much of your time this evening, and uh, we'll just uh, close at that. Thank you. You know, I just want to say one brief thing about something the previous speaker said. I didn't want to spend too much time on that because I don't think it's important enough, but one thing is worth considering. He's He's the nominal head of an organization supposedly representative of the undergraduates, whereas in fact, under the current directors, it derives its authority as delegated power from the administration. It's totally unrepresentative of the graduate students and TAs. But he made the following statement, I quote, I would ask all those who are not definitely committed to the FSM cause 
to stay away from demonstration. All right, now listen to this. For all upper division students who are interested in alleviating the TA shortage problem, I would encourage you to offer your services to department chairman and advisors. That has two things, a strike breaker and a fink. I'd like to say, I'd like to say one other thing about a union problem. Upstairs, you may have noticed already on the second floor of Sproul Hall, locals 40 and 127 of the Painters Union are painting the inside of the second floor of Sproul Hall. Now, apparently that action had been planned sometime in the past. I've tried to contact those unions, unfortunately, and tears my heart out, they're as bureaucratized as the administration. It's difficult to get through to anyone in authority there. Very sad. We're still, we're still making an attempt. Those people up there have no desire to interfere with what we're doing. I would ask that they be considered and that they not be heckled in any way. And I think that, you know, while there's unfortunately no sense of, no sense of solidarity at this point between unions and students, there at least need be no, you know, excessively hard feelings between the two groups. Now, there are at least two ways in which sit-ins and civil disobedience and whatever, at least two major ways in which it can occur. One, when a law exists, is promulgated, which is totally unacceptable to people, and they violate it again and again and again till it's rescinded, repealed. All right. But there's another way. There's another way. Sometimes the form of the law is such as to render impossible its effective violation as a method to have it repealed. Sometimes the grievances of people are more, extend more, to more than just the law, extend to a whole mode of arbitrary power, a whole mode of arbitrary exercise of arbitrary power. And that's what we have here. We have an autocracy which, run, which runs this university. It's managed. We were told the following. If President Kerr actually tried to get something more liberal out of the regents in his telephone conversations, why didn't he make some public statement to that effect? And the answer we received from a well-meaning liberal was the following. He said, would you ever imagine the manager of a firm making a statement publicly in opposition to his board of directors? That's the answer. I ask you to consider, if this is a firm, and if the Board of Regents are the Board of Directors, and if President Kerr, in fact, is the manager, then I tell you something, the faculty are a bunch of employees, and we're the raw materials, but we're a bunch of raw materials that don't mean to be, have any process upon us, don't mean to be made into any product, don't mean, don't mean to end up being bought by some clients of the university, be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone. We're human beings. And that, that brings me to the second mode of civil disobedience. There's a time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. 
And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all.
Leonard Skinner, None of Us Are Free. Before that, anyone recognize that one? Mario Sabio, <clears throat> the Berkeley Free Speech Movement, Sprout Hall Speech. Throw ourselves upon the gears of the machine. John Andercheck, Labor Lines is the show. KRFP, Moscow, Idaho, 90.3 FM. KRFP.org. Labor Lines can also be found on podcasts such as Anchor FM, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Google, and others. I am going to throw out a recent interview, a replay with Katie Fairbanks and Marissa Hefferin, who organized the newspaper here in Longview, Washington. So kind of a back-to-back Communication Workers of America News Guild organizing. I hope you'll get that. Thank you. This is John Andercheck again with Labor Lines. Labor Lines, the radio show on KRFP, Moscow, Idaho, 90.3 FM. And Labor Lines, the podcast for almost a, a year now on Anchor FM and some other platforms. And today is June 2nd. I'm recording an interview from my new home in Longview, Washington, with Katie Fairbanks and Marissa Heffernan, who uh, are journalists with the local paper, the Longview Daily News. I came across them in the great publication, Northwest Labor Press, how they successfully organized uh, their uh, staff there at the, uh, excuse me, at the Daily News here. And they're gracious enough to join me after work this evening and uh, are going to uh, kind of fill us in how that went and uh, whatever else they want to share. So, Katie and Marissa, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. And go right ahead. The show is yours. I guess to start with a little background, I've been at the Daily News about coming up on two years now, my my first job out of college. And when I joined it, we were a staff of five. Um, That got whittled down pretty pretty quick as COVID hit and folks started leaving. Um, And, you know, I guess really the the push to organize came when we lost our longtime editor um, and we're left sort of sort of rudderless. So before I dive too deep into that, I'll, I'll toss it over to Katie. Yeah, yeah, I've been here almost three years. And uh, like Marissa said, we, um, you know, I've always been kind of a smaller news team at the Daily News. But, um, you know, we just kind of found some need to uh, organize and really get um, get ourselves a, a seat at the table with our with our owner, Lee Enterprises. So, um, I don't even know how long ago it was, a few months ago, when we decided to to um, to organize and unionize. Well, that's excellent. That's very exciting. Uh, uh, every I always say everyone needs a union. Um, we have family members that aren't in unions, and uh, you re- really see the difference. Uh, I'm in the laborers' union uh, and retired from the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. I have a daughter that's in the Washington Education Association. And so, uh, Katie and Marissa, uh, you went to, If did you approach the Communication Workers of America? You want to give some kind of background on, on how you got the, got the traction here? Yeah, so, I mean, the, you know, the idea of unionizing was something that had always sort of been tossed around loosely when I got there. You know, folks are saying every time a decision came down or something, you know, unreasonable came down from the company, we were like, 
gosh, you know, we should we should really unionize. Um, but it, it sort of got left at that until, oh, I think September, around September 2020, I think, was when we were all sitting around and we didn't have an editor anymore. And we were um, pretty much on our own. And I was like, you know, we were all talking and decided, no, this is this is really something we want to do. So I did a little bit of research and, and reached out um, to the guild to see what it would take. And then really the the guild got us rolling from there. And the guild, well, you, well you, there's going to be a lot of folks out there. Sadly, uh, you know, it's kind of something to throw out. Sadly, uh, we lost the, lost the muscle memory of uh, union and union families with the decrease in union membership. I'll throw this out that where I'm living now, where you folks work, uh, Southwest Washington state was had the highest uh, density of union membership in the state of Washington for quite a while, but was decimated uh, by the trade agreements. I believe there was eight aluminum plants that were union in this area at one time. I think we just lost the last one between here and Northwest uh, Oregon. So when you speak of the guild, uh, can you give give the folks that are gonna be listening to this a little background on that, please? Yeah, so you know, um, our, our larger guild is the Communication Writers of America, but I reached out to the Pacific um, Northwest Writers Guild. Uh, I found their website, and you know they're sort of the our our local organizing body, I guess that that helps new new shops, mostly newspapers, um, get up and running. Excellent, nice work, nice use of the internet. I just always, uh, I think those. I'm not sure if they if they wanted it to be used. I always say that uh, with Facebook, uh, that wasn't Mark Zuckerberg's initial. Uh, uh, concept uh, to have a uh, help workers organize, but uh, tough luck for him, huh? So, so you reached out to them, and how was working with uh, with those folks with the guild? Do you want to say that? Yeah, yeah, they've been great, very helpful. Um, you know, one of our um, contacts at the guild um, used to work at kind of our one of our neighboring papers down in uh, Vancouver, Washington at the Columbian. And she was there as a reporter and helped them organize their union, uh, you know, I think over a year ago. And so then she took a job with the guild and uh, helped us organize. So that was kind of great, uh, you know, having someone that really understands our area, really understands our paper and our situation, um, you know, and is really just kind of helping us organize the way we want to and kind of giving us the, um, you know, tools we need to, to organize our shop the way, you know, we want to and kind of go after the things that we need to make our workplace better, better for us um, uh, here in Longview. So we've um, had a pretty good experience working with them. Okay, well, that's uh, very good. So, how was approaching your? Uh, so, you did you organize the journalism staff, or a combination of the journalists and what you might call the office or support staff, or do you strictly go with uh, what people would consider the journalists, the writers? Yeah, so we, we tried um, since we are so small, we definitely wanted to see our advertising folks um, in with us. So that was sort of actually the the bulk of our time because the departments are pretty separate. Um, we spent a lot of time just getting to know them and, um, you know, seeing, seeing if they'd be interested, which was kind of tough when no one was in the office because of COVID. Um, so we, we probably spent a good three or four months sort of seeing if there was any interest over on the advertising side and 
in the end, um, it just it just wasn't something they were interested in. They didn't seem to really want to unionize. So then we decided to to move forward with just sort of the journalists. So we have our news reporters, our sports reporters, and then our copy editors um, and our photographer as part of the union. There's about eight of us. Well, very good for you. Very, very good for you. Uh, I'm speaking with Katie Fairbanks and Marissa Hefferton with the Longview Daily News, who uh, recently organized uh, on, with the uh, Communication Workers of America, uh, the Northwest uh, Writers Guild. I get that right. Um, and uh, by organizing a small group, that's still pretty impressive. What's the uh, circulation uh, uh, for the Daily News here in Southwest Washington? Goodness. I haven't seen an update number in a little bit. Uh, Katie, do you know what we were sort of pre-pandemic? You know, I'm not 100% sure. Um, you know, we do cover all of Cowlitz County, um, which is a good a good area here. But I, um, you know, I just don't know off the top of my head what our what our circulation is at the moment. I know we've kind of had the split of. Um, you know, uh, print uh, print circulation as well as digital subscriptions. But I, you know, I'm not quite sure how the breakdown is nowadays. Well, I apologize for throwing that at you without preparing you. I apologize. That was inappropriate of myself. But uh, as a newcomer to uh, Collins County, Southwest Washington State, uh, Longview, Washington, I'm impressed. Uh, it still has a real blue collar uh uh, sensibility to it. You go down uh, industrial way, folks get ever get over here. Some big plants. Of course, it's a it's an ocean port, literally, uh, on the mm-hmm. Columbia River here. It it and uh, along with that, it offers some spectacular views. Today was a, a great one, wasn't it? There's a, of course, the mountain without the top, uh, clear as day. Old good old Mount St. Helens, right in the backyard. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And Mount St. Helens big areas coverage for us. I bet. So again, uh, uh, so you, you got your workers to uh, organize and you go to management as uh, uh, united with them. And, uh, and uh, uh, once you had uh, in effect a paperwork done. Yeah. So we decided, uh, well, we decided that we were sort of, ready to, to go public with it and we approached management and they said that we had we actually had unanimous card signing. Um so all at that point there were I think seven seven of us, um because we've had some new hires since then, but all seven of us signed a card saying, you know, we, we wanted to unionize and we brought that to management. Um they decided they wanted to to bring us to an official vote anyway. Um and that happened uh, in early May, and one ballot got lost in the mail, but um, it was a unanimous vote, six votes in, in favor of unionizing. So we uh, we had a pretty pretty united front on that, yeah. Excellent. I'm very proud of both of you, uh, Katie Fairbanks, Marissa Hefferton with the Longview Daily News. This is John Andercheck with uh, Labor Lines, Labor Lines, the radio show on Moscow. Idaho's uh, KRFP 90.3 FM and Labor Lines, the podcast. Uh, 
Katie and Marissa, you've taken your time out at the end of the workday. It's a beautiful day here in the Northwest. Kind of, I call this the best of the Northwest with the sun out and the Cascades in view. Uh, so I don't want to use up too much of your time. Uh, but I will ask you, do you want to throw anything out to those folks who might be listening, who uh, might feel uh, the call to help organize uh, their workplace, but might you know, it's obviously is a daunting uh, undertaking in the United States, sadly. I mean, the tables tilted against the workers. Uh, you did it. You stepped out, stepped up, not really knowing what was going to happen. Uh, yet there you are. You got a unanimous uh, uh, factor behind you with your co-workers. So anything you want to throw out to who, those who might be listening? Yeah, I mean, I guess for us when we started, we knew that we had a lot, you know, they're pretty wide age range in the um, we have a lot of different worldviews and political views, so we just weren't we weren't sure how interested everyone would be. Um, and it was a bit, you know, a bit nerve wracking to sort of make that ask um, because we in the past has been pretty firmly anti union, and we were a bit nervous. But um, you know, like you said, we ended up unanimous. So we found that just by talking it through, um, you know, with our coworkers and, and listening to their concerns, we all sort of realized that this was a power we could you know, that together we could fix a lot of the things that were, were driving folks off and contributing to a really high turnover rate. Um, you know, we could just make all of our quality of lives um, a lot better if, if we unionize. And sort of from that basis, we were able to to unite some some pretty differing views. Um, and I, I, you know, I think we're a stronger newsroom now. Um, we're a lot closer to each other. So I think that even though it seems um, pretty daunting, it's, it's definitely doable. <laughs> what would you want to add, Katie? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that, um, you know, we can all kind of come together and uh, just having an honest talk about, you know, the conditions in the workplace and what can be improved and really just kind of throughout this process seeing, you know, the power that we do have as, as workers through the union um, compared to before when we really just kind of um, you know, took what came down from, from corporate and didn't, you know, have too much of a say and, and things that were changing in our workplace that made, made conditions a little bit more difficult to deal with, especially with just small um, newsroom trying to keep up on everything. But, you know, moving forward, knowing that we, you know, have a say and we'll be able to take things, uh, you know, to the bargaining table and, you know, be able to make uh, conditions better for, for all of us here uh, you know, I think that that's definitely worth the kind of initial nervousness and worth uh, all the work in, in organizing folks. Yeah, and I guess I would also say, I touched on it earlier, but I'm also really grateful to the community. You know, like you said, um, it's a it's a strong union town. Um, and when we announced that we are unionizing, you know, the, the support from our union brothers and sisters was absolutely incredible. Um, we had so many people reaching out, you know, going out on assignment. Folks were stopping you and saying, I heard you unionize. You know, that's that's just great. Um, you know, we're, we're here for you. What can we do? Is there anything at all we can do to help? So that's also been, you know, a really helpful. And it, it after, like Katie said, that nervousness and sort of working on it in secret alone for so long to, to announce it and have the entire community turn out and support was was really special. Well, you said some amazing things there, uh, Mar- Marissa and, and Katie, some amazing things. The, the solidarity from the un- other unions, uh, you know, injury to one is an injury to all. Uh, there's, you know, power in a union, the power in solidarity. Solidarity is a force greater than gravity, as someone had said. Uh, it must be all of us. Or it will be none of us uh, as far as moving forward and getting a better life. 
And uh, also going back a little few minutes ago, uh, when you spoke about the divergent, uh, uh, you know, everyone is individual. Everyone brings something different to the workplace. But ultimately, the workplace is uh, what some call uh, the the greatest popular front, because let's face it, we we all have to go to work. Right. And we all go to work. And if we look at the issues that affect us at work and, in my opinion, not get sidetracked uh, by diversions that uh, the powers to be like to uh, play us against one against the other. If we look at the well-being of ourselves and each other collectively, uh, it, it, it's probably not as hard as one could think, perhaps, to find that common ground. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's certainly what we Excellent. So Katie Fairbanks and Marissa Hefferton with the Longview Daily News. Thank you so much for joining me on the 2nd of June, a beautiful best in the Northwest day here in Longview, where I just recently moved. And which means I hope that uh, we can um, meet other than just over a phone call uh, to a face to face one of these days. So um, that would be wonderful. Yeah, that would be wonderful. I'll be looking forward to it. So if you could stand the line and say the business, but I'm signing off again. John Andercheck with KRFP, Moscow, Idaho, and Labor Lines, the podcast. Thank you.
job doing a great cover of Neil Young's Rocking in the Free World. I'm John Andrzejczyk. It's Labor Lines. I'm recording this on June 6th, D-Day, from my new home in Longview, Washington. If all goes well and creeks don't rise, all that business, I hope it plays on the 22nd. I'm trying to get ahead of the curve starting this week. Excuse me. I'm going to 712s if all goes well at Longview Fiber for about two to four weeks during shutdown there. So when I work seven 12-hour days, I pretty much keep to the basics. Work, eat, sleep, shower, laundry, stuff like that. Certainly not uh, going to have the energy to put a show together and upload it and all that good stuff, uh, let alone try to arrange interviews against this schedule so that's my story and i will be sticking to it again krfp is a community supported community supporting radio station i hope anyone listening who's not a member would consider becoming a member uh last time i checked it's 35 dollars a year less for other categories you also could take part in the adopt a dj program we have so many hours upon hours of locally produced programming of radio shows. Uh, first and foremost, perhaps, is our weekly news program, morning and evening, from our uh, station manager, Lee Robertos, who's been keeping the ship afloat during all this COVID business. Uh, obviously, I'm doing this remote. So, anyways, please consider becoming a member, becoming a supporter. This is great stuff. I'm so honored. I'm going to my third year of this show, Labor Lines, and now I have it as a podcast. Going out, I think I'll do a little change up here. I'm going to do a live version of Don't Let's Get Sick by the man who wrote the song who we lost far too early in his life, Warren Zevon. Let us play nice Let us 
smiles on the lake and causes the ripples in time. I'm lucky to be here with someone I like who maketh my spirit to shine. Play nice, let us be together tonight.